Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for our time of worship and fellowship so far this morning. And and Lord, now as we uh, turn our attention to Your Word, we again ask that uh, the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit that You will teach. That You would open our our hearts and our minds to, to not just understanding Your Word, but then, Lord, to be doers of Your Word. And once again, as, as we walk in obedience, that You would transform us. Uh, literally, metamorphosis would happen as we uh, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and as we uh, honor and obey You. So, Lord, thank You and uh, ask that Your will is done now as we open Your Word. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at the front of your bulletin there, there's a quote that we've been uh, using to kind of launch off into the series we've been on this last month or so uh, by a gentleman named Joshua Harris. It says, even though the church played a big part of my life growing up, for many years it didn't have a big place in my heart. And, and we've been discussing this idea of loving the church, actually loving the church, you know, and, and again, for many of you, I see you uh, Wednesdays and then I see you Sundays. So I know on, on your on your you know Google Calendar or whatever calendar program you use, you've blocked out Sunday morning, and and church is a significant part of your life, right? Of your to-do list, maybe of the hours you're willing to invest. But but what place does the church have in your heart? How do you feel about the church? Is it kind of strange to say that 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 we actually love the church? Love the church. And in this series, what we've done is we've not been talking necessarily about OVCF, this particular church body. What we've done is we've kind of pulled back and we said, well, Lord, what, is, what, is, what does the Bible say about what this church thing is? Right? Last Sunday I asked you, is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a thing? All of the above, right? We learned that the church is who? The people Right. It is a place. We are at church. That's okay to, to, to reference it that way. You know, a church is a place that you go to. Okay, if you understand it that way. But it's also a thing. Right. We've we've been seeing that it's many things. And in, and hopefully my desire is we've been looking at scripture and as we've been trying to say, Lord, show me church, that we've been able to work through sort of the familiarity of that word. Because if you've grown up in the church, we sort of sometimes as Christians think, oh, come on, pastor. A series on church? Been there, done that. Go there. Serve there. Give there. Attend there, right? Why do we need a series on church? Well, well quite honestly, the Lord put this on my heart because if you were to step back and look at the state of the church, particularly in our country, we need a Bible study on the church. Things have gotten so twisted, so turned upside down, that, that uh, you know, when you say church now, even within the church, people just come up with so many different ideas and concepts and thoughts about what the church is, what it should be, you know. Been there. Anyone ever hear anyone say, I tried church? Is it possible to try church? If you are the church, can you try church? You understand what I'm saying? And we take these words up and these phrases up and then we begin to say them repeatedly and then we repeat them to others and suddenly we think it's in the Bible somewhere. Right? First Daryl. Right? I mean, we start quoting First Daryl, right? And like, and like, is that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? I don't remember that being in the Bible. Right? Because oftentimes, particularly things about the church aren't biblical. 
It's just opinion. Something you heard, something you read. Right? So we've been stepping back and we're trying to say, Lord, show us the church. Because if we're to embrace your church as his church and we are the church, what we're going to have to do, and, and my prayer for this for, for many of us, uh, the challenge is, okay, Lord, I may have had these experiences in a local church, and these experiences may not have been all that good in a local church, and now what's happened is, is I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I may be a little angry, I may be a little disillusioned, I may be discouraged, and, and it starts to color us, it starts to affect us, and we start to pull away from the body of Christ, the very thing that God says you're a part of, and when we get to that place where our thoughts and opinions and feelings begin to supersede everything, you know what we have to do? We have to call time out. And we have to say, Lord, this is how I feel. This is what I think. But what does your word say? What does your word say? Because we believe here with all our heart, mind, everything in us that this is the word of God. And as believers, this is the authority. And, and many of us, you know, goes all the way back to my first a church experience 20 plus years ago, wounded deeply, hurt deeply, disillusioned deeply. Someone says to me, hey, man will always fail you, but God never will. And, and, and what he was saying to me at that point when I was ready just to kind of kick ministry to the side because I can't believe that. What, the, what, 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 what my mentor at that time was saying, hey, you got to get your eyes off a of man. You've got to get your eyes off of man. I know you're hurt. I know you're angry. I know you just want to like just walk away from this whole thing. But you've got to get your eyes off of man, and you've got to get back into the Word, and you've got to seek God about what He calls the church to be. And then, and then at a certain point, Richie, you're going to have to choose to re-engage in a local body made up of imperfect humans and be a part of the solution. Meaning, keep your eyes, when you engage in a local body made up of imperfect humans, keep your, your gaze, your, your focus, your heart totally on me, totally on me, and be a part of that body, but don't focus on them, focus on me. See, here's the glorious thing. If all of us here focused on Him, OVCF will just flourish. Just flourish. It's kind of like tuning a guitar, right? Let's say, let's say Scott comes in. And beforehand, and he tunes his, he wants to tune his guitar, right? And for some reasons today, Scott says, I don't need a tuner. I'm good. So he tunes his E string, and then you could work your way down, right? And then Pat comes in a few minutes later, says, I don't need a tuner. I'm just going to tune off a of Scott. Scott, give me an E. So Pat's listening. He matches, and he, right? Vinny comes in. You don't need a tuner. He's going to tune off. What happens if Scott was off? Pretty sour music, right? Everybody that was tuning off of Scott is that much off. Plus their imperfections. But if everyone had a tuner, a quality tuner, and was all tuning to the same tuner, it all takes care of itself. 
And so what happens in the church, because it's made up of imperfect human beings, someone says something, someone does something, and we get wounded, we get hurt, and then we start to judge church by each other. Our definition of church, our feelings towards church, our willing to engage, our willing to serve, our willing to give, everything we do at the church becomes man-centered. And in the process, we forget what God says about His church. And that's why I felt like when we were going from summer into the fall, let's step back and let's look at church from God's perspective. Amen? And, and it's, it's a big picture. And, and I wanted to share a video this morning. I uh, showed it two or three weeks ago. But I want to show it again because it helps us to understand the big picture of what God is doing and has done in His church in this world. Because in Ojai, it's real easy, right? you got Casita Springs and you got Upper Ojai, so we kind of live between those boundaries. And then we go to our little church that we, and, we, and we, we can become like this. And we can forget that God is using and moving through His church in the whole world. And here's the great thing. Even though you're in little old Ojai and you're at 105 East Topo Topo right now, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And I want to share this video and I hope it inspires you to realize you are a part of something God is doing in this entire world. Okay? Go ahead, Shiloh. Then we'll play that. What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 A.D., the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of health care in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. All right, First John 5. This has uh, been our key verse, kind of launched us off. Do a quick overview of your sermon notes there. First John 5, verses 1 and 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out 
his commands. Right, verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. We, we use that as our launching off point because in church today and in, in Christian bookstores, you may see these titles that say, I love Jesus, but not the church. You know, there's kind of this theme that, that's going out where, where people say, I'm a Christian and, and I love Jesus with all my heart. I just don't love the church. I don't need to go to church. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't love the church. And we looked at these verses in 1 John 5. One, it says, hey, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're born of God. You're born into the household of God. And it says, everyone who loves the Father loves who? His child. And we said, you know, it's not really biblically accurate to say, that, to, to create a distinction between loving Jesus and loving the church. If you love the Father... We're called, we're commanded to love his children. So turn to the next, turn to the person next to you and say, "I love you, man." Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, "I love you, I love you, man." Right? We have to. We're called to. It's just, it's just part of it. It's just part of it, right? I I shared with you before. Three years ago, when we first started in here, we, we, we talked about the church, and I, said, I came across this, and I love this, because this reminds me of the church. Shai, can you turn the lights off for me real quick? Right? If you've seen one of these things, right? And I said, this reminds me of the church, right? And, and we're all these little lights right there, right? And so on the Lord's Day, what do we do? Oh, look, we're all together. We all go to church, and we all gather, and then when we, when we say amen and we do the last song, what are you supposed to do? You go out. But you're still what? The church. You're still the church. And, 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 and as we've been going through this series, my heart has been for us to understand, you know, oftentimes we think of the church as just the gathering. And we focus on what we do together and how we serve and how we give. And kind of like the, the, the tips here. But my heart through this, and, and what I want you to see and why I brought this out, is that truly... Truly, the church, if we're going to understand it biblically, we've got to understand we don't focus on the tips. We don't focus on us because we tend to get very us-focused in our culture. Here's the deal. If we're going to understand the church biblically, we've got to understand we're all connected down here. This is where the church begins, guys. This is where our covenant with God and our covenant with each other, we're united in a lot of unique ways. We just happen to gather Sundays or Wednesdays or potluck, we gather regularly, but at the core, we're always connected. We're always connected in covenant ways, right? And you see in your, you see in your notes there, we looked at, it's the bride of Christ. We're connected as the bride of Christ at the base, right? We're, we saw that the church is, is, uh, is being built. Jesus owns it. It's a building. We're the living stones being, bu- being built up. And then we saw a couple weeks ago, it's the body of Christ, right? Every Every part has a function. If you're a part of this local body, here's the deal. You have a part to play. You do. Okay? And, and this is where understanding this, okay, what you've got to do, if you're going to understand the church biblically, you've got to take your eyes off of you and off of the tips. And you've got to say, okay, Lord, help me to understand the church as united as the bride of Christ. Help me to understand church being built up by God. I'm a living stone. Help me to understand church that it's the body of Christ and I'm already in. See, for some of us, for some of us, the the key truth that we've been learning these last several weeks is this. 
Church is not something you choose to be a part of. Church is something that you're placed into when you become a Christian. You're already in the church universal, the ecclesia. So the question then becomes, Lord, if I'm a Christian and you say I'm baptized, I'm put into the body of Christ, the next question is, where do I serve? Where would you have me to plant my stake, to drive the stake in the ground, and to be a part of that local body? Because you're already in the church. That's, that, that's very important. I thought of this. What is this? A Lego. Does a lone Lego make sense? I'm going to have fun with my single Lego. Does a solo individual Lego make sense? What is a Lego designed to do? With what? Other Legos. In order for a Lego to make sense, you got to have what? Other Legos. But a lot of us are like the lone Lego. Does a Lone Ranger Christian make sense? Is that even biblical? No. Just like this Lego was built and designed to be a part of something bigger than itself, right? Believers are gifted, created by God, placed into the body of Christ to be part of something bigger than yourself. For some, that, that, that's going to take some, some doing because there's some deeply ingrained habits and thoughts and attitudes you may be carrying. Namely, church is optional. Church is somewhere, let's see, family, work, school, da, da, da. church is right about here. See, see the simplicity of, of these truths about the church I encourage you, you got to spend the time and you got to ask, Lord, help me to understand where church is supposed to be in my life as a believer. Because quite frankly, if you're a believer and you're part of the body of Christ, church goes right up to there. You're already in. You're in. Out of obedience, you seek the Lord and you say, Lord, show me what local fellowship I'm to be a part of. And again, there's wonderful churches in this valley. Pastor Ron, right? We do the senior pastor rotation. I preached at Calvary Chapel. Pastor Ron from Assembly of Gods came here, and we love each other. There's solid churches in this valley. It doesn't have to be this one. We, even, we make no claim to be the biggest, baddest anything. Right? No claim. All we, all we claim, if you want, to, you want to claim something, we claim this to be the Word of God, and we will claim to be... Our, to do our best to be faithful to this. That's kind of what we got to offer you. But other than that, you know, the music, we've been blessed with great music, and, and many of you serve faithfully, and God blessed us with being able to use this with the Western Church. It's all kind of what I call window dressing. At the core, we got nothing to offer you but a relationship with the Lord and His Word. And we're going to be faithful to that. And so an, uh, uh, a series on the church, why is it important? Because another reason that, that the Lord put on my heart was we've, we've kind of got this wave of new people that have come in over the summer, and I thought it was really important for you to understand what makes us tick. 
as a quote-unquote church. Oh, that's why they do that. You ever have a kid that says, why? Anyone? Why? 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 And what do you finally get? You get so fed up and you say, because? Right? Okay, so here, if you ask why, 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 we're probably eventually going to say, because God says so. Because God says so. That, that's kind of all we have. And that's the way we've been since day one. Okay? So at the core, we're trying to understand that, that the church we gather, but our unity, our commonality, koinonia, to share in common, what we saw last Sunday, it, it's all here at the base. We're already connected with one another. We already are. Okay? We already are. And last Sunday, Wes, if you were here, Wes shared, and we saw that being a part of the household of God, you know, the Bible calls the church the household of God, we have privileges. And some of the privileges, the joy we share is in relationships with one another. How many here over the last two, three, four years that we've been together, you got to know someone better that you're, right? You even like them more. You even love them. Anyone, right? So part of the joy, part of the privilege we have as a local body are new relationships. Genuinely calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Wes, at the men's retreat, he shared with the guys. It was so beautiful. He's like, you know, how old is Wes? I don't even know how old Wes is. Wes is 39, okay? <laughs> 39-ish, okay? But Wes, Wes shared at the men's retreat. He said, you know what, guys? I never had brothers. And, and from Steve needling him incessantly to to us eating his food and, and being spread out all over his living room and all his rooms, Wes was just sitting there going, this is what brotherhood is like. This is what, you know, and he crossed this line from just sort of being at church to, to letting guys into his life and going, ah, brothers, brothers, right? So, so we looked at that last Sunday. If you look on your uh, notes there, this week we're going to talk about the responsibilities so we like to reap the benefits of church. We like to reap it, right? It, it, there's nothing wrong with that. The social aspect, the potlucks, right? Good music, you know. There's, there's certain benefits to that. Nothing wrong with that. Unless, unless we become consumer-driven and church becomes about what? Meeting my needs. What am I getting? Do I like the children's program? Do I like the worship? Do I like the pastor? Do I like, you know, whatever, the color of the carpet, Right? And it becomes all about us, and we forget that as a family, we have responsibilities. Just like I shared with you last week in my own family. I have family meetings, and raising my kids to understand as a part of the family, you enjoy blessings and privileges, but you also have what? Responsibilities. Because you're part of the family. Just because. It's a just because. So, if you, there, if you look there uh, on your notes, the first one, right, obvious, love. Right, let's look at John. We're going to do a quick survey, so turn to John 13. Many of these verses, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be very familiar with. The challenge for us as we read these is to understand it applies to us right now. Right now. Every, every day. We never stop being the church. Okay? John 13. 34. John 13, 34. Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What are we supposed to do according to that verse? Love. What kind of love? We've talked about this. Agape love, which is what? Self-sacrificial. Right? And we're not going to turn that other verse, that first Peter verse. We've looked at it before. He says, hey, OVCF, you got a lot of phileo love, friendship love. You like potlucks. You like all that kind of stuff. But don't stop at friendship love. You've got to go to self-sacrificial love. Right? When is that supposed to happen? When are we supposed to love one another? When Doris needs an agape meal? When? All the time. And who's supposed to be doing that? Okay, so so quick review. I know it's a simple verse, but we've got to get this because this is going to start to change our understanding of church, right? Church is made up of the people, children of God. Jesus says repeatedly, love one another, which is self-sacrificially give for the benefit of someone else. He's speaking to us. When are we supposed to do this? Now. So is it possible to be a passive spectator at church? No. Church is no longer just something you attend. You're in. Because right here. Okay. Just just receive this. Let me ask you a question. Did you love self-sacrificially since you've been here? Have you loved anyone self-sacrificially since you've been here? Well, you know what I mean? The, the point of that was we're all we're engaged. Church is something you're engaged in 24-7. You're in. You're in, right? Turn to Galatians 6.10. I'm going to go to the right a few books. Galatians, Ephesians. It's after Corinthians. Galatians 6.10. So the key word, if you, if you want to write key words there on your notes, if you're a note taker, love would be self-sacrificial, right? Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do what? Let us do good to who? All people. Uh-oh, we got another word here. Especially to those who what? Belong to the family of believers. Did you know there's priority? We're to do good to everyone, but according to Galatians 6.10, there's a priority given. And who is the priority given to? The church. doesn't mean we're exclusive. It doesn't mean we don't care. It just means with limited time, resources, and energy, there is a priority given to the family of God. To the family of God. Right? So question, who's supposed to be, who's supposed to be doing good? Thank you, Linda. Linda went right like that, right? Who's supposed to be doing good? Who's he talking to? Linda. <laughs> He's talking to Linda. <laughs> all right. Us. Right? So we're all supposed to be loving all the time. We're supposed to all be doing good all the time. Okay? Let's go to Hebrews 10. Keep going to your right. after the Timothys and Titus and Philemon.
Hebrews 10:24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, let's look at verse 25. What does verse 25 tell us as the church? What are we, what are we commanded to do? Meet. Okay, so we, we're commanded to meet, right? Look at verse 24. And let us consider, right? Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. All right? So, according to that verse, us, the church, we're supposed to be considering one another. You know what that means? It means to have continuous concern and care for one another. It means, okay, it means that each of us in here are supposed to spend the necessary time and effort to think about one another and how we might be able to help them grow spiritually. See, that's one of those things, oh, but I thought that's the pastor. I thought the pastor's supposed to get to know everyone and the pastor's supposed to be able to help everyone. According to Hebrews 10.24, we, the church, are supposed to consider one another. So turn sideways. Look at each other. We're, we're to consider one another, including your husband and wife, right? And how you may lovingly spur them on to love and good deeds. You know what that means? It means we have to take time thinking about each other. Thinking about each other. When was the last time... We, you, whatever you want to take it, thought of someone in the body and considered them and said, hmm, Lord, Lord, I just want to spend time praying for Dale. And Lord, would you show me, show me what Dale, would you show me, Lord, how I can, how I can spur? And that word spur, we've talked about it before, it means lovingly irritate. Right? That's what that means. It means to incite. It means to get them moving. So, so we're to lovingly irritate one another. So turn to the person next to you and say, here I am. Right? Right? <laughs> right? We, check it out. This is the church. See, this is so radically different than you guys just coming and sitting and watching us do it up here. When we get together, we're constantly self-sacrificially loving. We're constantly doing good. We're constantly considering one another and how to irritate you. Right? Right? Do you, see, do you see why they call the church a living organism? There's life. There's vitality. Everybody's doing what they're just supposed to be doing according to their Father's Word. Do you see it? See, when you come and you get out of your car, you're like, okay, Lord, I get the privilege of ministering today. Show me someone who needs a hug. Show me someone who needs a handshake. Show me someone I can pray for before I leave today. See, all of you, you could be like on a mission every time we're together. You could be on a mission. Lord, who can I self-sacrificially love today? Who can I bring a donut to? Who might need a cup of coffee in the fellowship hall? I'll get it for you. You see? You see how it changes the dynamic? Okay. So, we're to consider one another, right? Let's keep looking down. We talked about uh, using gifts, right, for the common good. Go ahead and flip it over. We'll go to the back. We'll just carry. We'll just um, walk through these. Look at Ephesians four on the back of your notes. 
We'll turn to Ephesians 4. You're going to go left a few books from Hebrews. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's look at verse 2 again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Who's supposed to be humble and gentle? Who's supposed to be patient? Who's supposed to be bearing, which is continuous? Who is supposed to be bearing with one another? Just turn and smile at the person next to you. Right? We're all to be doing this. And then, and then, look at verse uh, 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We're imperfect. We're fallen. Right? We're going to step on toes and things are going to happen. There's been times up here I've had, you know, I've kind of joked around too much and had to apologize and all of that. There's going to be times we're going to have to ask for forgiveness. But that verse says, you know what? Collectively, we have to be diligent to keep the unity. To keep the unity. It's got to be one of those forefront priorities. We've got to keep the unity of the Spirit. We are the body of Christ. We are one in the Spirit, right? We love to sing that song. But here's the deal. We all have a part to play in keeping the unity. The unity of the Spirit. Years and years ago, uh, I was at a large church and, and kind of in leadership. And, and uh, the pastor, the, the associate pastor, sh- shared with me. He says, in a church, everyone carries two buckets. A bucket of gasoline and a bucket of water. And as people tend to talk in the church and gossip and yada yada, when things come up in the church, everybody has a choice. You can throw a bucket of gasoline on that and spread it and ignite it. Or you can throw a bucket of water on it and squash it. But we all have to choose to be part of keeping the unity. Keeping the unity of the Spirit. All right? So again, we are all in it. Galatians 6.2 says we're to carry each other's burdens. All right, let's look at that. Go one book to the left. Just a couple pages. Let's look at starting in Galatians 6 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So there's a general principle there of, of coming alongside and carrying burdens, might be financial, might be physical needs. But in context, verse 1 says, Hey, body of Christ. If a brother or sister is caught up in sin, temptation, you got to get in there with gentleness. You don't just stand back and go, whoa, 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 you know, and, and we all kind of take a step back. No, if we're going to bear each other's burdens, it includes the struggles of life. That's something we have in common. 
And so if you see a brother and sister in temptation or sinning or, you know, you've got to go there in gentleness and respect and be willing to lovingly confront them with God's truth. That's part of bearing each other's burdens, okay? That, that's what keeps the unity as well, okay? And then uh, look at Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Anybody ever have trouble forgiving? Right? So when we're struggling with forgiving a brother and sister in the body of Christ, where do we go? What's our, who's our example? The Lord. And sometimes if we're struggling with forgiveness, you know what you need to do? You need to get before the Lord and say, Lord, would you remind me how much you've forgiven me in my life? Lord, would you remind me how much grace you bestowed to me? Lord, would you remind me how patient you've been with me? Lord, now would you change my heart towards this person that I'm just right now unwilling to forgive? Right? This is the body of Christ in action. This is the body of Christ in action, right? What was one of the biggest testimonies to, to the culture when the early church was being birthed? You want to know what it was? How they treated one another. It was completely foreign to that culture. Suddenly, all these diverse people from all over different regions come together. They realize they have Christ in common, and they just literally start doing this stuff. Loving, doing good, being kind, being compassionate, forgiving. And you know what the world did? What is going on? What is going on? And it was a wonderful testimony to the Lord. And that's what this community needs still. This community needs to see a body of believers that genuinely live and act and treat each other like the body of believers. And then the world out there will go, man, you know one of the biggest, the biggest joys I get from visitors that come here when we, when we get a chance to chat with them? You know what they say about you? Uh-oh, right? You know what they say about you, not about me? You guys are so loving. You're such a loving church. See, and we take that for granted because we do that every week, Wednesdays. We, we forget, okay, please don't ever forget that there are people out there who would love to be a part of what you enjoy every week. They would love for, to walk in somewhere and someone knows their name. They would love to walk in and someone smiles and gives them a hug. They would love to say, hey, if you need something, call me. God made us to be relational beings. And when the body of Christ is relational, when we're in covenant with God and covenant with one another, that world out there goes back and they scratch their head and they want to know, what makes you tick? What makes you tick? Where's, Ernie, where's that joy? And how come your wife gets up and dances? What, what's that? Right? Do you see, right? And we just point them to Jesus. Amen? Right? And then I love this verse. We'll close with this before communion. Look at Ephesians 5.1. So all these responsibilities, right? All these big responsibilities. 
I'm going to be honest with you, it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The only way you're going to do that list, or I'm going to do that list, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Left up to myself? No way. No way. But I love this. And he comes all the way back and he kind of simplifies. The Word of God simplifies it for what we're supposed to do as the children of God, as His church. Ephesians 5.1 Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Isn't that awesome? He calls the church the household, the family of God. And in Ephesians 5, 1, he says, Hey, children, just imitate your father. Just imitate your father. And live a life of love. You know when Jesus came down, someone said, Hey, show us the father. And Jesus said, Hey, if you see me, you've seen the father. When Jesus was walking on earth and he was doing what he was doing and saying what he was saying, part of the testimony was to get people to understand what God was like. By his words and actions. If that community out there wants to know what God of the Bible is like, who are they watching? Turn to the person next to you and smile because they're looking at... Who are they listening to? You. You. So if we're going to be the household of God, if, if Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, if we're going to be faithful to just being true to what God calls us to be. Bottom line, we're just going to do our best to imitate our Father. We're just going to do our best to imitate our Father. And we know that He reveals His will through His Word, so that's what we're going to be in every time we're together. Okay? And then it's all about love. It's all about love. That word imitate, it's where we get our word mimic. Right? You ever see a mime? Right? What's the key thing about a mime? Obviously, they don't what? They don't speak. Question. If you didn't speak for the next week and you let your actions speak for you, what would people what would people discern about your relationship with the Lord? What would your actions say if you were going to be a mime? If you were going to mimic your Father in Heaven, if you are going to display without words what it is to be a child of God and a member of His household. What would that look like? What would that look like? Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. And I know, Lord, we've looked at a lot of Scripture. But Lord, through it all, You simply are reminding us that we have responsibilities as your children, as members of the household of God, we enjoy eternal and wonderful privileges and blessings. And yet this morning we've been reminded through several verses that we have responsibilities that are continuous. That are not just, not just isolated to Sunday mornings, but when we leave here and we scatter to be the church and the community, the responsibilities remain. And in the end, it's a testimony to who you are. In the end, it brings glory to you. And so, Father, as we prepare for communion, we were reminded in those last scriptures, we're to forgive, forgive as Christ forgave us.
We're going to, we're, we're called to live a life of love in the same way that Jesus loved us and died for us. And so would you, would you take all that we've heard today and just boil it back down to communion? Because this is what we share in common, Christ, and faith in Him alone for our salvation. So we love you, Lord. We give you this time of communion, Lord.